every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Hard living is the life for me. Come on around back, Arizona, on this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. It is the fourth Saturday of the month. It's 8 o'clock hour, our outdoor living hour, which means we have Farmer Greg joining us on the line today, talking all things urban farming. And I think we've got to highlight more rain this week than we got all in 2020. There you go. That may be a a little bit of a stretch, but it sure felt like it. Man, we've gone through a long, hot, dry spell. Yeah. Yeah, we actually only got four, like 4.25 inches last year at the urban farm the entire year. For anyone new or not aware, that's not, that's just over half of our expected average. We usually get about seven inches in the Maricopa County uh, region of Arizona. A little higher in the mountains, Tucson's a little bit higher, but seven inches and we only got four. And that was... That was all really early in the year because we had oh, no yeah. monsoon. Yeah, we went from March, the March 18th to um, October with measurable rain. We had a monsoon in August, but there was no measurable rain from it here at the urban farm. So I gave up washing my truck a long time ago. Living, <laughs> living on right. a dirt road, it's just a, a very defeated task. You constantly have yeah. to be doing it. But I don't know what it is. Maybe now that I'm in a four-door truck instead of just a two-door F-150. So I don't know if there's so much more dirt to look at on a four-door versus a (laughs) two-door. But it was driving me nuts. I actually washed my truck, and the very next morning, I wake up, and it's raining. Well, you know, that just (laughs) just goes to show you. Wash your truck, and it's going to rain. That that is today's uh, Indian rain dance. Go wash your vehicle, and it'll rain. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, what are we talking about today? For those of you that follow along in our home maintenance calendar that we send out free of charge, just let us know the address you'd like it sent to. You can see that in our outdoor living hour for this Saturday, we are talking fruit trees. Favorite topic of mine. Uh, I've been planting fruit trees here in the valley since 1974. At the age of 14, I planted my first few fruit trees here. And uh, the reason I love fruit trees is because you plant them once and you get fruit for decades. Of all things in gardening and growing, yeah. that has been my favorite too. They, yeah. they require the least amount of maintenance and produce the most. Exactly. And that's a big and. Uh, with, especially with our extreme heat that we've had, you know, two summers ago, was the hottest summer on record. And then again, last summer was the hottest summer on record. And I can't tell you how many people sent me photographs saying, what's wrong with my tree? The heat is just crushing them. And over the last 20 years, I've done a lot of research and experimenting with how we can most effectively plant and grow fruit trees and have them survive this crazy weather we're having. So that's what we're talking about today is extreme fruit tree care. And do we need to start with what type of varieties of fruit trees grow in Arizona? Or I know we've covered that in the past. Do you want to just skip straight into your your special planting secret? All right. So we can, let's touch on what grows real well here. 
And uh, there's two different kinds of apricots, two different kinds of apples, about a dozen kinds of peaches, pomegranates, figs, uh, several berries, a couple different mulberries. Yes, mulberries are legal to have in uh, the Phoenix area, the Phoenix metropolitan area. You just have to do female mulberries, which makes berries. And there's two mulberries that do really well here. Uh, in fact, they're the best berries that you can grow in the desert, the Pakistani and the dwarf black mulberries. So, and then any, pretty much any citrus. So those are the ones that we, you know, that we concentrate on and, uh, and really those are the ones we bring in and teach about is those trees. And uh, there's several different things. In the last segment, I'll touch on uh, the three key things you need to know to make sure you're getting the right trees if you don't get the trees from our program. And Greg, you have that complete list published on your website. I know uh, you probably even have a special URL that people could go grab that specific list of trees that you guys sell that have proven and have track record success here in Arizona. Absolutely. Fruittrees.org is our website. And we only bring in and talk about trees that do extremely well here. Well, talk to me about extreme planting. Okay. Well, first of all, there's there's many things that I've learned over the years. And first of all, we want to avoid a few things. And the big thing you want to avoid is killing your fruit tree. And one of the simplest ways, actually three of the simplest ways, and I have solutions for all three of these, three of the simplest ways to avoid killing your fruit trees. Don't plant them in a really hot microclimate. Hot microclimates include block walls, sidewalks, and gravel. Now, if you have one of those areas, I have a solution for you, but if you just plant them with all the gravel and concrete without any preparation, the tree's not gonna make it. Thing number two is planting in a lawn. Uh, again, I have a solution for planting in a lawn, but if you just put the tree in the lawn, often what happens is the grass outcompetes the tree and thing number three is how you water the tree. Watering it with one drip emitter right next to the trunk can assure that you're going to kill your tree. So those are the three things we want to avoid. And what I encourage people to do is what I call my 6-6 rule. In my fruit tree education, I have rules and I have guidelines. This is a rule. Rules are absolutely what you want to do. And the 6-6 rule is a six-foot diameter basin around the tree with six inches of woody mulch. And now that's a minimum. Now, when I say six inches, I mean a true six inches of woody mulch. Because what happens, that woody mulch starts breaking down fairly quickly and it makes really healthy soil. It acts as a sponge, holds on to water. It uh, nurtures the life in the soil. So by adding your 6-6 basin around your tree, you are giving that tree a huge limb up. And so that's the first thing you need to know. If you're planting in gravel, rake back the gravel uh, six or eight feet and plant the tree on a mound in the middle. Um, or if you're planting in the lawn, what I suggest that you do is you cut out a disc that is six inches deep and six foot diameter. Uh, and you can let the grass grow back in subsequent years. Um, but what we need to do is we need to get that tree established before the grass takes over. So by putting the basin in place, the six, six basin in place, uh, that's gonna give your tree a huge, uh, huge limb up. 
Uh, and then it, when you when it comes to actually planting the tree, we're suggesting that people dig a hole, two foot by two foot square, go with a square hole. You can come into some of my classes and I talk about why that's the case, but you wanna go with two foot by two foot square on the hole and a foot deep to plant your tree. And then this is really important. You wanna stick a hose in the hole and fill it with water and see how long it takes for the hole to drain. This is really important because if you're in a caliche area and you fill that hole and 24 hours later, it's still full of water, you're gonna kill your trees within a couple of months. So make sure that you do, that we call that a perk test. It's a percolation test that gets the, lets you make sure that your soil is draining. So you have your basin built, you have your tree hole dug, you wanna take 60%, 40%, sorry, you wanna take 40% of the dirt, the native soil out of the hole, put it in a wheelbarrow, add 60% some kind of planting mix. Tanks does a, down in Tucson, does a really great uh, mix called <laughs> Farmer Greg's Planting Mix, uh, and specifically for planting your fruit trees. So you can get that, and that's available at some of the true values here in town and through us. And so you're mixing the 40% native soil, the 60% planting mix, you mix it up, you add mycorrhiza, azomite and worm castings. And we have those for sale on our website and at our uh, nursery. These are nutrients and life that goes in the soil. The worm castings is really cool because you're mixing up the worm castings in there. And guess what, Romy, guess what's in those worm castings? Worm poop. Well, there is worm poop, <laughs> but there's also worm eggs. Uh -huh. So by adding those worm castings in the hole, you're adding actual life in the form of baby worms that show up and start doing the work. The most important thing that we can be doing right now to grow healthy food is grow healthy soil. I get this all the time. People say, God, Greg, your fruit is so tasty. It's because of the soil underneath the tree. The healthier the soil, the tastier the plants are going to be. And Greg, we talked about this in a previous broadcast and somebody texted and said, so I planted my trees like three years ago. Now what? <laughs> mm -hmm. You put your 6-6 six, six basin around the tree or 6-8 eight, eight basin around the tree. You make your basin underneath the tree. You add a planting kit, which is the azomite mycorrhiza and worm castings underneath. You spread it widely under there. Add a couple of bags of planting mix on top. So you have your worm castings, you have your azomite, which is a vitamin pill for the tree, and you have your mycorrhiza, which is the life. You put some uh, local planting mix on top and cover that with worm castings. And that's just about as good. So if you've already got your trees planted, you can still put the basin in place and that will invigorate the tree uh, more than you will ever imagine. Just make sure you don't get any soil up against the trunk of the tree. You want exactly. It, you want it off the trunk. Leave that where it is. All this stuff goes around underneath the the drip edge and to the to the edge of you know wherever the the tree line is. Exactly. And so quickly, the um, not up against the trunk. A simple fix: just take some bricks and put them around the trunk so that the woody mulch and the soil isn't up against the trunk. There you go. It's that simple. 
More with Farmer Greg on extreme fruit trees here at Rosie on the House right after this. Continuing our conversation with Farmer Greg on fruit trees, you know, you were talking at the beginning of last segment about, you know, why trees are your favorite and the amount that they produce for you. St. Mary's Food Bank now is taking fruit donations if you've got extra on your trees. If you have lemon trees, you know that they produce so much more than you can possibly consume as one person. Well, you can donate that now to St. Mary's Food Bank, who makes sure that then it gets turned around and provided to somebody who needs it. But Greg, you have a lot of talking points here on other things <laughs> you've learned over the, the years that you know, you're going to help educate and our listeners, because your your goal is to help people grow. And so we become our own you know, grocery store, our own grocery store, our own, our yeah. own independent community. Yeah, exactly. Well, my, my goal is that uh, between now and when I die, and I'm, I get to turn 60 this year. And my goal between now and when I die is that we make Phoenix into a food secure place, which means we're growing. And I know this is a huge goal, all of our own food here in Phoenix. You know, maybe a pipe dream. Well, okay, come and pipe dream with me and let's all grow food in our yards. I, I don't remember the exact quote, but there's one that said, you know, the problem is, isn't that, uh, that we're setting our goals too high. It's that we're setting them too low and we reach them. And then (laughs) (laughs) you got to set them higher. So you always, you always have that drive going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, then that's kind of what gets me up in the morning every day. So there we covered on, uh, we covered several extreme tree care planting methods. I've got a couple more that we need to touch on here in the next few minutes. And uh, gopher baskets. If you have gophers in your yard, your gophers will do away with your trees. There's a super simple fix. Uh, we have gopher baskets. Uh, I'm sure you know you can get them online, or you just go to a hardware store and get hardware cloth or uh, chicken wire and line your planting hole with chicken wire. And it has to be the smaller holes. If you get the big hole, uh, chicken wire that gophers can get, still get through, so that use the smaller hole, and you just line the entire hole with metal chicken wire. Then what happens is the tree gets established, and over the course of the next four or five years, the um, chicken wire or the hardware cloth uh, rots away, rusts away, and you're good to go. So if you have gophers, you're going to need to put in gopher baskets. And this is before you're planting. If you already have exactly. trees planted and you have gophers now, this isn't what we're talking about. This is we're, we're identifying that we're going to plant. There's all these gopher holes. Once you have your square tree hole dug, yep. line it with hardware cloth. Hardware cloth or chicken wire of the smaller hole type. This, the next thing is getting shade it for your trees. And there's uh, two really important pieces of this. There's overhead shade and overhead shade I call paid for. So you're putting up a shade sale or something for the first year or two or planting shade. So planting shade on the west side of your trees so that they get afternoon shade. That's one way of doing it. The other thing is growing a ground cover shade. And I I had this amazing epiphany about five years ago. 
I was in the front yard with one of those, uh, you know, those guns that you point at the ground, temperature guns. Mm -hmm. You point at the ground, and I pointed it at the ground here at the urban farm in the afternoon in August. It was 140 degrees at ground level. It was 120 degrees, six inches under. That is enough to kill your trees. So just like we want to plant trees for shade on the west side of our house, if we plant a ground cover on in the basins of our trees, it's going to shade the ground. And what I found was on that same day when it was 140 degrees at ground level, underneath the sweet potatoes and the cow peas growing in my front yard, it was 89 degrees. And you just answered my question. What What is an edible ground cover for? Yep. <laughs> that cow you could peas, use for it. Cow peas we give away free at the nursery this time of year. So you can see us at the nursery. And, and if you're buying trees from us, I always give you lots of those. It is a bean. It's kind of edible, but it's a nitrogen fixer. And it, it grows very nicely and covers the ground. And then sweet potatoes, just go to the grocery store, buy an organic sweet potato, stick it in the ground in February or March, and you will have them forever. Now, do you have to water those a lot or just the natural tree water is, is enough? Exactly. The same watering schedule that you have your trees on, the sweet potatoes and the cow peas do really well on. Stacking functions. There you yeah, Oh my gosh. There you go. Gary D comes up with a permaculture term. Shoots I love and scores. It. <laughs> so perfect. Stacking functions. That's having one thing do more multiple things. So the sweet potatoes uh, create a ground cover. They cool the ground and they provide something for us to eat. So well, and I'm really excited for this next segment because from our last broadcast, you said you mm -hmm. had this new magic thing you found that yes. uh, is, is kind of a, a cure-all. And we've actually, uh, we've got the, is it the founder, the inventor, yep, the propagator uh, of this brand new, uh, Product, another three-point shot for, for horticulture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll have Anthony from High Creations on next segment well looking forward to it we can do a lot of things here at rosie on the house but we can't stop the clock time for bottom of the hour news break we'll be back talking uh foliage feeding foliar feeding foliar feeding yes back in our urban farms here at rosie on the house we've got farmer greg on the line and we talked about an interview coming up but we skipped past a one more point on fertilizing you wanted to make before we bring in uh, Anthony from High Creation. So hit that bullet point and get to our guest. So to kind of round out the extreme care, we've got two more pieces. There's our granular fertilizer, and I always suggest that you use an organic fertilizer. There's all kinds of reasons for that. Uh, and fertilize on Valentine's Day tax day, Memorial Day and Labor Day. That's about every two months. Uh, we have, there's two great uh, granular fertilizer manufacturers here in town. There's uh, Global Organics out on the west side. They have a Bioflora product, which we sell. And then Tanks has a uh, nice uh, organic fertilizer. So using the granular fertilizer in the basin around the tree and watering it in is really important. And with that being said, 
the last two summers, we've already talked about how hot they were. I have two mentors from California that have been into fruit trees forever and ever. And both of them in the past six months told me, Greg, the most important thing that you can be doing with your trees is foliar fertilizing. And so about a year and a half ago, we, we stumbled across a company here in town called High Creations. And today we have Anthony, who is the co-founder of High Creations on the call with us to share with us what foliar feeding is. So how about if we start with that? What is foliar feeding? Hey, Greg. Well, foliar feeding is a technique. It's actually used to deliver nutrients, uh, fertilizers, and trace minerals, and that's going to occur in a mist form. Uh, we'll talk about why it's important and what actually happens a little bit later. Uh, but some of the things you're going to need to get started would be like a delivery device. You know, we're talking hand pump, uh, spray and hose attachment. Uh, you can even use a spray bottle, uh, spray bottle you have in your house, and that's fine. That'll work too. So essentially what we're doing is we're taking some kind of liquid fertilizer, putting it in water, right. and spraying it on the trees and plants. Exactly. You're going to want to spray the bark, the leaves, the branches. Um, you could even spray the fruit uh, if, if it's on the tree already. It's not going to harm it. It'll be a-okay. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the, the what has these uh, fruits taste so good is the nutrients. And if we're putting nutrients right in the leaves and on the branches and even on the fruit for that matter, that makes a difference. Right, right. You're delivering those nutrients straight to where exactly where it needs to go. And that's what's so great about foliar feeding. It's a very fast, uh, fast way to deliver those nutrients. Also, if you happen to have any sort of deficiencies you're seeing in your trees, maybe some yellowing, uh, maybe spots are dying and you want to correct that uh, deficiency, you foliar feed. That's the fastest way to get there. That's where it's occurring. That's where you need to get those nutrients. Go ahead, Romy. I'm just curious about the application. So how much uh, product, let's say we've got a 10-foot tree, um, you know, how, how do I mix it? Is it something that you, you hook up the hose to it and it just pours out the correct amount? I mean, what, how, how, what's the application? So I would start with the mixing bucket and um, your spray device. So usually I have a hand pump sprayer. It's only one gallon. And so I have a one gallon bucket. And in that one gallon bucket, I would use uh, something off the wisdom line, say for instance, um, soul. Soul is a perfect example. It's a fulvic acid. It's like your ultimate companion for delivering nutrients. And something like that, you can start anywhere from five milliliters and work yourself up to a whole ounce uh, in that gallon. So maybe if it's a really young tree, maybe it's five to 10 milliliters. Uh, that's, a third of, that's about a third of an ounce. Right, correct. That's about, a, sorry, science talk there. <laughs> that's about a third of an ounce, yeah. And you'll mix it in that one gallon and you'll spray the uh, entire tree as far as your arm can reach, pretty much, you know. If you got a 20-foot tree and you're only getting halfway up there, that's okay. Um, foliar feeding is meant to deliver those nutrients and using something like solofulvic acid will help uh, drive those nutrients to where they need to go. And, you know, to really answer your question, how much are you going to put on there? You'll spray until the leaves form some droplets. Uh, you don't want it drooping over. 
that you get to that point where you start to see some water form on those leaves and you, that's just the right spot. The, the point here is that we're not using very much. No, not at all. And no. it packs a powerful punch. Right, right. And that's because of the delivery method. And that's because uh, some of our products that, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about. Um, but I'll get I'll dive into that. I'll let you know about some of the experiences we've had. And I think you from you from your point of view, you've been very happy with it. Oh, yeah. I think you've seen a lot of results. Yeah. You guys, uh, High Creations has four different foliar liquid products and we sell them as a bundle at, uh, at the urban farm. Uh, and if you buy three of them, we give you one free. Uh, and Anthony was, Anthony was great enough. He put together a month by month foliar fertilizing calendar for us. So what you do every month, and that's available on our website as well. So that, uh, um, you know, you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And what exactly. are the four different concoctions? <laughs> So we call that the wisdom line. And I know you talked earlier about it uh, being a new, uh, it's a new silver bullets, a new product, but you know, that's not what we're all about. These uh, type of materials have existed for so long. And that's why we call it the wisdom line. We're really going back to the basics. So we have noble gills, which is a fish fertilizer, you know, that's been used for centuries. Mm -hmm. Why do we like fish? Um, a few reasons uh, we get, sardines for our fish uh, and they're higher in fat content that's going to produce a, a better better quality fertilizer they also happen to have calcium and magnesium something that's very important for your new tree growth especially for that young foliage uh, coming through next well we always love to talk about essence this is just a great product it's kelp i love opening up that bottle because it smells just like the ocean um, but what's right. what's great about it is what's actually inside um, the bottle. It's straight pure kelp. It's been pulverized. It's been blended. I didn't use any harsh extractants uh, to open up. You know, when they use those harsh extractants, they're basically tearing up the plant to get in the get the goodies inside. And what are those? Those are naturally occurring plant growth hormones. It's something like auxins, gibberellic acid. Um, those type of uh, hormones, they're going to tell your fruit, hey, it's time to grow. It's time to get sweeter. It time, it's time to size. Uh, something like your gibberellic acid, that's something you could spray. You know, you, That's something that goes great with your seed starts. That helps um, those roots develop. It helps feed the plant. It helps get those seeds started and going. So I, I, I got a question for you. That's a lot of deep science talk. Where did that come from? How did you discover all this? Well, Matt, uh, like you said, I'm a co-founder and Derek's is, uh, Derek Zellers is our other co-founder. He's taught me, he's introduced me into this world of, you know, agriculture because I come from a small farming town or small farming town. My grandfather worked on a farm and he did cotton, alfalfa and some sort of wheat, maybe a barley every now and then just, you know, what mm -hmm. they were filling. And they just pumped, uh, you know, salts, you know, conventional fertilizers and uh, forever and ever. And I got introduced into organics uh, when I met Derek's and we decided to found this company. 
but he's been uh, obviously as a mentor to me, showing me you know how to use these products, how to apply them, what they can really do. You know, if we think about if you look at the line and you look at heart, it's a soil amendment. Um, that's we're get, that's materials almost like hundreds of millions of years old. It mm. comes from um, Leonardite, which is pretty much just decomposed organic matter time and time again it's just been layered into the earth it's come into contact with heat it didn't get hot enough to become coal you know this leonardite when you take it out of the ground it looks like coal but it's no burn unit you can't burn it you can't set it on fire and so that's something that you'll you'll never find in a classroom you know that's someone if you don't if you're not already using humic acid then uh you know you don't know about it because you're not using it and if you're not using it, you don't you don't really understand it. And, but once you do understand it, it's great. It's like one of the best things you could put back into this earth. And you know, I feel some of that knowledge is just irreplaceable. And it takes years. You know, we've been doing this uh, for about four or five years now. And you know, I learn something new every day almost. And uh, we just talk about the products. We work with them. We uh, apply them in the field, and we see the results. So nice. Um, now, how, how you had said monthly, so this is an, a fertilizing application practice that I should be doing every single month. Right. You want your frequency can be about one to two times per month, just depending on your tree. Uh, if you have a younger tree, you go ahead with that one times per month. If you have something older that's uh, producing, that's uh, in production, then that's wait. That's fine to do twice a month. You know that'll actually help it out. And I have heard, so if we're doing this every month, in the summertime, I have heard if you spray your tree, you could actually sunburn it if you yep. do it at the wrong time of the day because of the water on the leaves can intensify the sun and you can actually burn it. So is that true? That's absolutely correct. If you spray uh, your trees in the middle of the day, you will burn them. <laughs> you will put holes in all of those leaves. So in the summer times, we do recommend uh, evening applications. About dusk, uh, it's even fine to do it at night when the sun is completely down. That's probably one of the coolest times of the day we're going to get here in our summer. And that's actually when you want to be uh, applying the products. And vice versa, we're in winter right now. So our coldest time of the day is at night. We get those lows overnight, which it's not really low compared to other parts of the world, but we do have some uh, from time to time freeze warnings. So we'd like to avoid that. And during those times, we'd recommend you do it in the morning uh, after you after the sun rises. It'll be fine in that you know early morning hours. When there's a big bonus to all this, and that's the plants are a lot less susceptible to pests and disease, right? Right. You know, we don't, and something like soul and fulvic or fulvic acid, you know, we're not using any animal waste, but those products really help relieve the stress of the, uh, the plant. And so when you have a less stressful plant, it's less likely to attract insects. When the plant's stressed out, it produces hormones, it produces, you know, it gives off something that signals those bugs. And once they smell it in the air, they're, you know, they're going to come, they're going to eat, they find it susceptible and, you know, you'll have pests. And it's high creations. That's H-Y-K-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S. High creations. Yes. It's a pain to spell. I've done it a couple (laughs) times, but yeah, H-Y-K. That's how we spell it. 
So, and Anthony, thanks for taking your time here this Saturday morning to join the conversation and talk through the foliar feeding that, uh, you know, like you said, it's, it may be a new concept, but it's a very old practice and all these uh, are available, I'm sure on your website, Greg, your website as well. And I've, I'm going to have to get a sprayer just for this because I don't have time to walk around with a one-gallon pump on 20 different trees. So I'm going to get a, an industrial a, sprayer here. <laughs> I got a solution for you on that, actually, in the next segment. Okay. Down to our final segment here on the Urban Farm with Farmer Greg. It's urbanfarm.org. You have a solution for me. I, I said 20 trees. I probably fruit trees. Between the fruits and the nut trees, I have over 40. And wow. filling them up one at a time and spraying them is not uh, not something I see getting done into my task. But you said you have a, a solution for me? I do. So um, a couple of years ago, one of our guys on, on our uh, tree crew came to me and says, Greg, check this out. And he had changed you know those the the dang spray wands on the two gallon one and two gallon uh, sprayers Mm -hmm. and they just spray a little bit you could you know it'll take you two hours to go through two gallons he uh changed the wand to a sprayer head and he showed me how to do it so we have a sprayer kit sprayer modification kit that basically will output that whole two gallons in about Oh, five to seven minutes, and it you know it'll spray it out ten feet, so you can get your entire tree. It speeds up the process a lot. So we put those together. We have those available. I think they're seven dollars and fifty cents for the modification kit for your current sprayer. It makes all the difference in the world. That would make a huge time difference getting that it done. Does. And foliar feeding though doesn't you know I'm, I'm still doing my granular fertilizing yes. around the roots as well. This is on top of so plant the tree right, we put the basin around the tree, we plant a ground cover around the trees to shade the ground, we fertilize it regularly with granular fertilizer, and you foliar fertilize it. This is why we call it extreme tree care. And you can use this on any tree or plant that you're growing here in the desert. They will need it, especially with the heat that's coming. Would it be beneficial to do this to my shade trees as well? Yep, you bet. Use it. Use it for all of your trees. What about gardening? Do you, yep. do you do it on your gardens and? Yeah. In fact, uh, Anthony and the crew over at High Creations is putting together a foliar feeding schedule for our gardens for us, so that you can use the High Creations uh, brands of foliar feed, uh, and um, you know, and get your garden done too. Again, it makes all the difference in the world for the health of the plant and the taste of the food coming off of it. Which is the whole goal here in the Urban Farm is to help people get motivated to grow their own so we become a a self-independent food provider. We're not reliant on shipments coming from hundreds and hundreds of miles away and thousands of miles in some case. And we've got a a, a much more sustainable and regenerative uh, community. Yes. Yes, yes. So let me let me just touch on. So I this is my 21st year of teaching about fruit trees and then people can buy fruit trees from us at fruittrees.org. And there are three things that you have to know before you buy a fruit tree. And this really goes for all fruit trees. Uh, and they are 
for the deciduous trees, those are the ones that lose their leaves in the winter, that's your apples, stone fruits, they need a certain amount of chill hours. If it's not a low chill tree, don't buy it. It should say it on the tag. We get about 300 hours of chill. If you're looking at a tag and it says 500 hours of chill, that's never gonna make fruit here in the low desert. Uh, that doesn't include citrus. Citrus don't need chill. They just do great here in general. The second thing you need to know, and I've, I, I know I've said this before, but this is so important, what rootstock is on. Make sure that you have, you're buying a tree on the correct rootstock for the low desert. And then the third thing for the soft flesh fruits, they need to ripen before about mid-July. Otherwise, I've found that they just cook on the tree. Everything cooks in mid-July. <laughs> yeah. That's, <clears throat> but if you do it right, you'll have enough produce from earlier in the spring to get you through that, you exactly. know, I'm 30 still to 45-day, you know, just brutal midsummer period. I have yeah. a question. You know, this is for our listeners in Flagstaff growing an orange tree. Mm-hmm. Is it tougher than, well, I'm sure it's tougher than the low desert, but obviously mm-hmm. you've got some serious chill hours up there. But you can oh, do but, it. Uh, no. No. Oh, no. no, no, they, no. There's even parts of Tucson they won't even grow citrus. It gets too yeah. cold. We're now, that lucky you, in the low desert. Well, be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you are going to do that, you want to, it is possible. You just need to put a greenhouse in and grow your citrus trees in a greenhouse. Well, we've got about a minute and a half here to wrap up. Any final, final talking points or takeaways? You know, plant fruit trees, plant most trees, anything. We need to be planting right now for the sequestration of carbon. So when you plant trees, it sequesters carbon. And that's one of the greenhouse gases that we're challenged with. So, um, you know, look in your landscape and start to understand where you could use some shade or some food. And one of the things that I tell people all the time is that why plant anything that you can't eat? It just doesn't make sense to plant things you can't, in my, in my world anyways. So I have a third of an acre here at the Urban Farm. I'm near 16th Street in Bethany Home, and it's edible landscaped. We eat out of the yard every day. Last night we had a salad with uh, salad greens from the yard. Uh, we have chickens in the backyard. So Think differently about your landscape. Even if you have some pots on the front porch, we're actually growing a lot of our winter greens right now in pots on the front porch. So that's my advice for you is think differently about your landscape. Urbanfarm.org. And next month when we're back here, we're going to be talking about uh, spring gardening with Farmer Greg. And we appreciate you lining up the interview with High Creations and the education on foliar feeding here for our listening audience at Rosie on the House.